I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I should have said good morning in most places. It is a late one here on the fallout bar as we recap the first half of round two of the Betfred World match play from the Winter Gardens. Myself, Jack Gobigawa, joined this evening by Liam. How are we doing, buddy? Good, mate, you. An intriguing uh, night four here at the Winter Gardens. Um, any hope or any fear of me falling asleep near the end there was diminished after that third game, uh, but ready to debate the action. A couple of very intriguing games we had this evening. Yeah, like I said, it was a ridiculous night, a ridiculous standard of darts throughout the night, I thought. Um, some really intriguing matchups, a couple of surprises, shall we say, given form and, and that sort of thing. But all in all, considering the format increase, um, minuscule format increase, um, solid games, and, and that's what's led us to this incredibly late start tonight. Yeah, I mean, I thought we'd be on a little bit earlier, at about halfway through the night. I'm sure you did as well. Um, but I reckon I jinxed Christoph Rotoyski halfway through the night and we'll go through in, that, in detail and more on that later on, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, a couple of twists and turns in there, a couple of um, strange performances by some players and, and some very good performances by others uh, has made us come on a little bit later, I suppose. Yeah, talking of jinx, it's a certain Mr. Boyce when he pops up and <laughs> throughout the night. I'm going to have my hands on him because, uh, it's, oh, look how well James Wade is playing and it didn't quite end up that way this evening uh hello to some people in the chat room to tommy says good evening daniel says good games tonight um colin is in as well paul rose says good evening guys well what an, what an awesome fantastic evening uh lee says much respect for doing this at nearly midnight yeah we'll be about half past 12 quarter to one by the time we finish if the rest of the shows this week or anything to go by but Obviously, you aren't the only guys watching live. We do put this out as a podcast, and some guys will be listening back to this as audio only throughout the day. Hopefully, it's a little bit cooler uh, wherever you are tomorrow after record highs temperatures here in the UK. James says, hey, guys, this last order from the fall of our... Pretty much. That's where the name was was designed from. Um, Rosen as well, she says, evening. Um, 
hello to all of you guys watching along. Don't forget to get involved in the chat room throughout, especially in the second half or, or the last five, ten minutes as we predict tomorrow night's scorelines. I don't think that's going very well this week so far. One day we will learn to keep a record of them. Um, but until that point, let's just look back at tonight's action because that's a lot easier to do. Uh, starting off with a an interesting performance, I think, from Dimitri Vandenberg. Up against it early on to Roby John Rodriguez, who loved to get the crowd involved as soon as he could. Um, but it was the pace of Dimitri that perhaps caught the eye more than anything else this evening. Yeah, I mean, a couple of tricks of the trade there from Dimitri with the the pace that we've seen at certain points in the match. Um, I mean, it was it was always going to be a, a tricky test against Rowie John. We've seen his form recently uh, in, in, in leading up to the match play, but I thought it was a composed performance in the end from Dimi. I didn't really think he was going to lose it really in the end. I think he, he looked composed, dealt, played it his way on his terms um, and, and dealt with the traitor Rowie John Rodriguez really well, I thought. Yeah, he did indeed. A couple of talking points in the game. Rodriguez early on putting two in the treble, hyping the crowd up before that third dart. Myself and Cam had a little bit of a debate in our group chat about that. I think it was too early in the game to be doing that. And ultimately, when you walk off the stage 3-2 down at the first break, I'm probably proved right. Yes, he did go on to hit both those darts at doubles, but I think there's a time and a place for that sort of thing. And it's either when you're miles out of the game to just give the crowd something to show what you've got or when you're miles ahead, not in the early stages of what is arguably the biggest game of your season so far. Yeah, he does fancy himself for a bit of a showman, does Ralphie. Um, but yeah, a bit of a strange, uh, considering the timing of the match. I mean, we see these kind of ironic um, attempts to get the crowd going when people are miles behind. There's a little bit of showboating when they're ahead. Didn't really get it in the first session. Maybe it was just a little bit carried away with the excitement. Um, of the match play that made him do it and um, the result really didn't reflect his confidence in that first session though he he didn't win many legs after that no he didn't indeed uh, but it was Dimitri Vandenberg as you said earlier with a, with a calm and, and composed performance from him look we just we discussed this about Dimitri an awful lot on online darts about who benefits and, and is there a genuineness to the the calming actions that Dimmy does on stage, and then he follows up with a fist pump that seem to contradict each other. But there is an advantage to being Dimitri Vandenberg in this position, who is so comfortable playing the rat attack game and, and going hammer and tong at it with with people, and then being able to slow it down and, and not really drop an awful lot off his performance when, arguably knowingly, his opponent will suffer from it. Yeah, and I think the fact that he has them varieties to his game, I mean, I don't think we've seen how far Dimitri Vandenberg will go if yet, you know, he's already a major champion uh, here at the match play as well. I mean, the fact that he can switch it up will play into his hands so much. I mean, we see players struggle with the slow-paced players before. Uh, some players, the faster players, just can't get their head around it and can't seem to get into the match sometimes. But the fact that he can vary the pace of his game which is never an easy thing to do let alone hit the standards that he does at a particular pace um could benefit him and especially in these longer format matches as well we see at the match play um could be a reason for his success before and potential uh success on sunday night 
Yeah, and uh, bottom line, I want to talk about Dimitri's finishing stats. He was uh, 11 from 18 in this match, but there was an interesting tweet put out by Dan Dawson earlier in the night, I thought, where there was a 92 checkout attempted within the first couple of legs. It was the first time Dimitri failed to check out a visit or a score of less than 100 with three darts in the entire tournament. And I don't think he missed an awful lot of those again tonight. That will take some beating up on that stage, no matter how he scores. Yeah, I mean, 61% in the doubles. I mean, regardless if you're on 20s every show, if you manage to get down to the double, you're going to feel fairly um, confident to take him out. And Dimi is one of them, gets the first start in the treble. He looks so dangerous and looks like he's not going to miss anything on the, them doubles when he really gets going. I mean, he's shown that uh, when when his doubles are on, on top form, that he's very, very difficult to beat because he's so consistent uh, when he does get going. Um, and I think 61% in doubles. I don't think anyone was better in that over the course of the evening. Um, I mean, that would take some beating. Would indeed. A couple in the chat room before we do hear from um, Dimitri Vandenberg himself. There's a couple of comments about Ratajski. Make sure we circle back to those when we do discuss that game. Uh, Paul says Dimitri played well, but Roby's time. Will come. It certainly looks it at the minute for Roby. Second time round on tour, he looks a lot more comfortable this time out. He is now the Austrian number one. He's overtaken Mentor Sulovic in that regard. Um, but he's got to start getting over the line in some of these games. That's how you start making a name for yourself. Otherwise, don't want to disrespect him, but end up a little bit like Chris Obi at the minute. Puts himself in a position, but isn't quite able to take that next step, despite we know just how capable Chris Obi can be. Another one from San Aldino. Does anyone know why Dimi had a sponsor taped off his chest had they just not paid? Um, they're, a bet, they're a bookmaker for a betting company and it contradicts with the tournament sponsor um, as Kazoo have bought up pretty much everything this year. It's allowed the players to take individual sponsorships from bookmakers. Um, however, um, this is one of the two tournaments where it's still backed by a bookmaker in the UK and therefore he's not allowed to wear that sponsorship on his shirt. Um, let's hear then from Dimitri Vandenberg in his post-match press conference. This year I'm in the quarterfinal. I'm only a couple of games away from it. I'm not scared of anybody. I think I'm proving it. I think I'm playing against the greatest. I think I'm playing against whoever is in front of me. It doesn't really matter anymore. It's just Dimitri Vandenberg does his business. Give me a chance, and I want to finish it. You know? Yeah. What can I say? I'm working hard. I'm just working very hard, and especially on the finishing. I've let so many games run away from me. The Premier League, for instance, could have been a completely different story if I was as strong on my finishing like I am today. But then again, my scoring was so much better. So, guys. I'm on my way to be top of the top. I know I'm saying this and I don't want to sound arrogant. I always keep my feet grounded, but I've got my beautiful family behind me and I'm working so hard to make them even more proud. So. Who doesn't love a bit of Belgium waffle at midnight? <laughs> <laughs> you go on a little bit, just didn't he? But he is fantastic in front of the camera and you cannot fault him for that. On to match number two from this evening. And this is where I have an issue with Mr. Boyce. Um, 
James Wade 9, Nathan Aspinall 11, after not being spoken about in, J in Nathan Aspinall's own words at all pre-tournament. Uh, he's now into the quarterfinals and doing it the hard way. An incredibly tough part of the draw that we earmarked at the start of this week. Uh, superb performance from him to close out James Wade. At one point, it looked like he was going to be undone just by the sheer consistency of the machine. But the Asp held in firm 4180s for him against none from James Wade. That's the big difference since he spent that time in hospital in Germany overnight. Um, his, his scoring power has dropped significantly from there. 52% on the doubles from Nathan Aspinall. The man just has bottle Liam. Yeah, and I think there's quite a few of the players that have been a little bit cheesed off this week that have been talked up as much as they probably would have liked. But look, um, yeah, I thought at 7-5 that Wade um, was in a commanding position. I thought it was going to be extremely tough for Aspen to beat him, especially when Wade gets out in the front. He just keeps tipping over and it's gonna, you're going to have to play significantly better than Wade to overcome him when he, when he gets a lead like that in a race to 11. But Aspen, again, I mean... Just when you think he might be down and out, I mean, he's such a battler. He never knows when he's beaten um, and a really gritty performance. I mean, how many times have we said that about Nathan Aston down through the years that just gritty, gritty determination just to stay in the match and eventually turned it on its head. And uh, it, was a, it was a very, very good win for Nathan Aston. It was indeed. Also superb from the Aston, a close result. Daniel says from 8-8, Aston was great. And that was the key point because at that moment, I think Wayne Marder was on commentary and he said for somebody to win it from here, they'd have to win 3-1 or we're heading for a tiebreaker. And look, I'm a, I'm a James Wade fan. I'm not going to try and hide that. He is a player that I like to support and, and see do well perhaps more than others. But at that point, I only saw one player winning 3-1 in the next four legs from there. And that was James Wade. So to turn it around from there, to just suddenly hit the turbo boosters for, for Nathan Aspinall to reel off those legs that he needed was superb from the Aspinall. Yeah, and I just thought, I mean, if if any one game was going to go to a tiebreaker or extra time tonight, I just felt at 8-8 that this was definitely destined to go to a tiebreaker because of how solid James Wade is on his own throw. Um, but I think it was an 82 finish on top with one dart in hand that really, I think it was a breaker throw that really turned the match on its head from Aspen. It was brilliant. 25-17 um, tops taken out and, and that really... Um, was a was a nail in the coffin for for James Wade this evening, and eventually uh, Nathan Asper ground James Wade down and finished with a very respectable, or very decent ninety seven average. Uh, Wade a little bit lower, but ninety four, ninety five, um, and again, like we said, gritty. Great to see Nathan back to to to, to somewhere close to his top form after his injury worries recently, um, and look really really impressive to make the quarterfinals. Exactly that. Look, 95 average and 60% of doubles normally gets the job done for James Wade. He's made an absolute career of that. I do want to bring up the point he made in his post-match press conference yesterday uh, where he hinted about retirement. Now, I don't think we actually discussed this in our group chat, so I haven't heard your thoughts on that. I still think it's a little way away, but the fact he's now broached that subject, the man's not even 40 yet, but... Do you think it's taken its toll, being the kind of player that James Wade is, that he never seems to have an easy victory? He's comfortable in life, clearly. He's never really liked the sport. He's just been good at it. And if he could walk off tomorrow just tinker with cars for the rest of his life, I think he pretty much would. But now that he's starting to use the R word 
Are we concerned that James Wade might be on his way out of this sport along with some others that are just that little bit older now? I mean, it, it's it's just unbelievable, really. He's still below the age of 40, considering how long he's been at the top of this sport and at the top. I mean, you're talking... Uh, it's the guts of nearly 20 years that he's been around uh, about darts now at this stage. I mean, we're probably talking 18 years now. Um, I would take a lot of things with the James Wade says with a pinch of salt. Maybe his opinion might change within the space of a couple of minutes, let alone a couple of days on retirement. But look, I mean, I suppose when he's been in something so long, I mean, there's no doubt that James Wade has made a fine living from darts and he's been at the very uh, top end of the sport for so long but look I mean we've we've heard a number of players come out in in recent months uh, and can complain about the the grueling schedule that it is um in the PDC at the moment I mean and the lifestyle that they have to live they're on the road all the time I mean it has to get to to the players at, at some point and especially with someone who's been traveling for the guts of 20 years at the top level um, I wouldn't say it's that far away for Wade, but I still think we have a, a good couple of years left in Wade yet. You indeed. Talking of age, I just want to leave you guys with a couple of age comparisons. I'm pretty sure there is only about 18 months difference between James Wade and Gerwin Price for you to, to consider, guys. And also, um, Rob Cross is a year younger than Chris Doby. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, let's hear from our winner of match number two this evening. That is the Asp- Nathan Aspinall. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, I'm back in the top 16 and um, you, know, you know what my aim is. I want to get back in that Premier League next year, but it's down to me to, to prove my worth and uh, you know, so far this week has gone well. Yeah, definitely, because I think I, I belong in them. You know, no, no one deserves it. No one should have them. Uh, it's down to me to, to prove my worth to the board that you know you should put me in the Premier League, you should send me to, to, to the World Series and uh, rest assured over these next six months I'm going to make it impossible for me not to go to Australia next year because I don't know what I do. <laughs> this week was going so well. Everybody had spent the entire week telling us how this is the second biggest tournament of the year, no Premier League discussion whatsoever and Nathan Aspinall goes and starts talking about it and the World Series. Thanks Nathan. You just ruin that part of I can't get any information. the enjoyment that I'm having. <laughs> well, there's certainly one player that uh, won't mind the travel in the next year if he's picked for these events. <laughs> it's if he moans about being too busy next season, if he's in everything, I will clip this interview and shove it in his face. I go, here you go, Nathan. This was during your resurgence at the match play. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like he's raring to go. I mean, he's had the injury worries now. He looks he looks like a happy man at the moment. And um, we know the capabilities that he has when he hits top form. And a fit Nathan Aspel is always better in any field. Um, I mean, such a gritty, determined player, like we said earlier on, um, stays in matches. The drama that comes with Nathan Aspel's matches sometimes is just um, it's gripping. Um, so... I look forward to seeing him in action further this year with a hopefully injury-free run. Indeed, indeed. On to match number three, but in the meantime, Stephen says, I'm sorry if you covered it, Gob. Just want to say, Dimmy is getting to me a bit with the way he's playing. Great talent, of course. Yeah, we did discuss that a little bit and how it's a bit of an advantage to Dimmy, actually. Once you can play at any pace that you <clears> like, <throat> feel comfortable, it means you're always going to be able to dictate the pace of, of any match that you want. Um, 
some will find it frustrating, some won't find it the most aesthetically pleasing at times, um, but it's a massive weapon at, at Dimmy's disposal. And I think look, the first time we saw it was against Gary Anderson in the match play final. That got his hands on one of the biggest trophies in the sport. And look, as long as that keeps working for him, I think we're going to see this multi-paced Dimitri. However, on to match number three. Um, and look, this match went a lot, lot deeper than I thought it was going to with a probably higher standard than anybody thought it was going to be before this tournament started. Uh, Peter Wright requiring extra legs to get past the Polish eagle Krzysztof Ratajski in an absolute belter of a second round match, one that must be in contention for... No idea what happened there. <laughs> uh, it pretty much had absolutely everything in this one that resulted in the world champion booking his spot in the quarter final. Yeah, I mean, 10 1 to Peter head to head recently. I thought I've never seen a one more one match this evening that was going to be more one sided than the Peter Wright victory. I just couldn't see past it. Um, I mean, in the first, after the first two sessions, he was in total control. Uh, I mean, a lovely little one, two, five, bull, two, 25, bull, Tron in there as well, just looked in total command. Um, and a little message that I sent into a certain WhatsApp group must have been heard by Christoph Ratajski when I said he was a little bit boring to watch this evening. And from then on, he really turned the match on its head. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was plenty of jinxing it in our WhatsApp chat this evening i want to come up to a couple of things in the chat room quickly before we do discuss this match a little bit further jamie went back earlier saying retarski played out of his skin didn't get the result which must be a real sickener those three darts of the blade team it's crazy how often that tends to happen for players that we think are the next step i mentioned chris Dobie a little bit earlier we said it about joe cullen an awful lot now it keeps happening to retarski as well as good as the experience will be to get up there on stage, play well, put these matches deeper and deeper against the established trophy winners in the PDC, to keep losing matches like this will be sickening for Christopher Tyson. Yeah, and I mean, there's only so many times that you can take uh, these defeats and not be affected by them. I mean, so much hard work done to get into the match and he will feel like it was just undone by three efforts at double 18 when he was just brilliant for for the second half of that match really turned it on and had peter right in all kinds of trouble but if you don't take your chances against these top players you will be punished and they do not give you they, they don't tend to give you second chances especially not peter right with someone uh of his ability and his talent and he certainly uh may uh, kick himself a little bit over missing a couple of darts at that double 18 near the back end of the match. Indeed, indeed. Um, Stephen says Ratajski blew it, uh, but I guess Wright blew it at times as well. Yeah, it was just one of those matches. The fact the averages stayed so high when we sat here talking about players missing opportunities, there were 40% and 50% on the doubles. It was just <coughs> waiting constantly that every single miss was under a microscope in this one for me uh, and Paul says I'm pleased Peter Wright got through but the Polish Eagle grew into the match he did indeed as Liam hinted that earlier the minute he called him boring to watch tonight he suddenly <laughs> hit the afterburners uh, but the point I want to come back to is Bill he says Peter Wright had 37 scores of 140 or more insane 
the scoring power of Peter Wright, Liam, is back. I mean, it was just incredible. I mean, even Ratajski, when they started hitting them treble 20s, I mean, Ratajski's treble 19 hitting, going downstairs like a magnet at some stage. Uh, they just make it look so easy at times. I mean, I think he had the three or four, 10 or 11 darts now throughout the course of the match. I mean, I think nearly a third of the legs to Peter Wright won were at either 10 or 11 darts. It was insane how it looked a little bit scrappy at times, but yet the standard was so high because of the couple of missed doubles here and there. But the score and power of the pair from the pair of them was just uh, was just brilliant and it looked magnetised. Indeed, right. And let's hear from your reigning world champion, Peter Wright, after his second round victory over Christopher Wittajski. No, he's changed, obviously, you know, everyone changes, so, uh, you know, he does, he's learnt his own routines that helps him now become a better player, which is really good, and it, you know, shows on TV and other tournaments, so, uh, you know, it's, you know, I didn't teach him everything then, the master will reign. <laughs> Love that from Peter Wright talking about the relationship he has with Dimitri Vandenberg, a house guest of his over the COVID lockdown here in the UK. Interesting that these two uh, met in the final last year, Peter Wright getting the better of Dimitri, and that was a little bit of an undertone storyline at that point. It's, it's extended to this now. It just seems to be Liam, these two are on a collision course at every match play they go to. Yeah, I mean, they both ooze confidence as well. Um, you can hear from their, their, their press conferences there. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, it was, a, it was a brilliant performance last year from Peter Wright. He almost looked unstoppable at times. And even uh, the class of Dimi couldn't take him down in the final. But I reckon Dimi will be quietly confident going into this one. Um, I mean, as usual, we expect Peter Wright to be confident, but he won't be able to afford that little wobble that he had in the middle of the match there and at the back end of the match that we've seen tonight against Dimi. Because if Dimi is on the form like he was tonight, then doubles start flowing. He, that, that lead will quickly start um, gathering pace for Dimitri Vandenberg. Um, and I mean, that could has the potential to be the tie of the round. I mean, to the. And, and it, it, it probably won't be too long until we see Dimitri Vandenberg really laying down a marker and it could be sooner rather than later that we see him take that next step um, and how better would it to be to start to, to on that journey to take Peter Wright out in the quarterfinals. Well, indeed. Interestingly enough, let, let's not discuss it, we're just going to move on, but I'm going to remind people that Wright had a similar wobble in the opening round and that's between that second and and third little set, if you like. He struggled a little bit there, despite coming out the blocks pretty comfortably in his first two matches. If he does that against Dimi, I wonder if that will have the opportunity to turn the tide in that one. Uh, on to the final game of the evening then. Um, I felt this one was a little bit disappointing at times, considering I, I just think the expectation that I placed on this game, I thought Joe Cullen was excellent in round one. I expected Marco Van Gerwen to be better, he'd come out of the blocks absolutely flying. He threw seven 180s tonight. I don't think we've seen Van Gerwen hit that many 180s in a long, long time. Um, but he gets over the line 11-5 against Joe Cullen, who only managed to average 90 himself, 25% on the doubles. It just never got going for Joe Cullen tonight at all. No, and look, I suppose, I mean, sometimes when we 
big up these matches that they they, they kind of don't tend to live up to the hype sometimes. I mean, I, I suppose we were all kind of expecting a lot more from Joe Cullen coming into tonight's match. I, for one, predicted that he, he might have the better MVG considering the show we'd seen from MVG in the first round. Um, I mean, I know it, we've heard this a couple of times over the last couple of years that MVG is back, but in that first five, in that first session, I thought averaging 111 and leading 4-1 that MVG couldn't miss <laughs> in that first little session. Got a little bit edgy in the second session. MVG just managed to stay in front. And I mean, I think there was a little bit of frustration from Colin from the start. He kind of kept the lid on it in that first and second session. Um, and then it kind of started to spill over. I mean, there was darts being dragged everywhere, a couple of missed opportunities that doubled, and it really got to him in the end. I mean, just, no matter how good a dart player you are, once you start missing, it does start to take its toll and ultimately ended up with a 90 average. was not the Joe Cullen that we're really used to seeing recently. Yeah, I wonder if the start time played a part in the toll that was taken on these two. It didn't get going until 11 o'clock here in the UK, 12 o'clock Central European. Um, that's incredibly late for these guys to, to start playing a game. Look, they're experienced pros. They might have been used to this situation a little bit and seeing the other games go deeper and deeper and deeper. But given just how hot, how warm it's been over the last couple of days, the fact these guys will have been in the venue since before the first game started tonight, getting themselves prepared and ready, that's a lot of time to kill in that heat, up and down to the practice board, keeping your arm loose and, and trying to keep an eye on everything that's going on to make sure that you hit peak performance as you go on that stage. And, and tonight, it, it looked like perhaps they were both just a little bit undercooked when it comes down to it at the end. Yeah, and I reckon that they probably did think that, that like we most of us thought, that the third match would be over a little bit earlier when they seen the, the scoreline at the second session. Um, I mean... It can be a case that you can over-practice sometimes in the back room. It can throw you and with such a, a mentally draining sport, any kind of a diversion from uh, your routine or practice or any later than it could be, uh, you, that you could be out there in the practice room could put you off a little bit. It was a little bit unusual from Colin, the performance that we've seen. I mean, the heat in there, I mean, it's warm enough over here and it's even warmer over there at the moment. So I'm sure that they, they've all been struggling with the heat. Um, especially under them lights at the best of times it, it's probably warm anyway especially in them venues uh, but yeah look Colin below par not quite the performance the crushing performance we've seen him in, in his win over Damon Hess in the first round I mean MVG effectively did that to what he did did to Colin tonight what Colin did to Hess in the first round yeah in Chris has made a joke since it's that hot. These two don't look tired. Maybe we're not tired. Maybe we're just night owls. Maybe we're absolutely knackered and it is absolutely sweltering still. I dread to think how warm it is. I don't even know how many times I've checked my weather app and temperatures here. I, I did see that it... Oh, my God. That can't be right. Cool down a little bit here anyway now. It's only 16 degrees. I mean, that's usually very warm on a good day. <laughs> Just me that's still at oh, 28. It's just updated. It was saying 37. I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> it dropped significantly in Blackpool, actually. It's only 18 degrees right now uh, out in the north west coast. Um, but yeah, it's still incredibly warm. <laughs> just, we're just not used. We're not built for this, especially when you're a man of my size. Um, let's then hear from. 
Michael Van Gerwen, who I've just been handed a note saying that perhaps he's criticised the rest of the field, Liam. This should be interesting. It was a lead night as well, to be fair. Yeah, I was saying, was that is that hard when the match before goes late? Because obviously you prep his time. Yeah, because like I, I prep my time. Uh, I, I, I practice uh, a routine. Oh, sorry. Uh, keeps going on. And then I know, come on, Mike, uh, you need to keep this going for a little bit more longer because uh, it's quite a long night. And you, you have to keep performing your A game. You can let yourself down. Uh, I always put myself under pressure. There's a lot to go for, but I won my game, and I think that's the only thing that matters at the moment. I've won, and that's simple. Everyone said this is the most open and arguably the best match play field we've ever seen. What have you made of it so far? It's not the most, but then people that say it's the best match, match play field ever, they're actually sick. Yeah. Well, arguably. Uh, Two of, yeah, especially Phil, one of the best players I ever lived. Raymond van Barneveld, then on to him. People can't say that, but this different. This is a new era, new different times. Now you got a different guys, like the Espinals, like the Dimitri. So you can you can't compare them with each other. Same when they ask me the question, uh, do you think you're going to be 16 times world champion? No, I'm, of course I'm not. But people have to put them in different categories and be fair. Interesting. I wasn't expecting that when I was handed a clip of Michael Van Gogh tonight. I thought we might get a little bit of an update on his, his wrist injury or anything like that. And uh, none of that came, Phil. So cheers, mate. You just set us down a completely different spiral and rabbit hole. Uh, but I does see Michael Van Gogh in the current world number four, by the way, um, progress to the quarter final stage. Um, Let's look ahead then, Liam, to tomorrow night's action. Another four games for you all um, as we round off the quarter final lineup. Remember, guys, get your predictions in the chat room as we go along. I'll read some of them out for you guys as well. Uh, but before we do do that, a quick reminder the Live League returns tomorrow. Uh, from 9am or half nine on our YouTube channel. Henry Deacon, the man in the chair, calling in in Champion of Champions Weeks. There's uh, just the two groups this week, I believe, Group A and Group B, three daytime sessions, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, two evening sessions, Thursday and Friday, and then a finals night on Saturday, a whole host of names included in that lineup, uh, Josh Payne, Robert Owen, and co. Uh, so if you do want more darts throughout the day tomorrow, make sure you hit us up on YouTube or Sporty Stuff TV. Right, Liam, let's look ahead to tomorrow night then. As I said, four more games. First to 11 unless tiebreakers uh, and opening up once again quite late. Quarter past seven. This is what it's billed for on the live score system. But you can get going to about 20 past, 25 past tonight. Uh, Daryl Gurney against Danny Knopper, two incredibly consistent performers uh, when they're at their very, very best. Uh, but who are you giving the edge to tomorrow night? Yeah, I'm not surprised this one is on first tomorrow night. I mean, Gurney had a good win over Gary Anderson his last round. Uh, a little bit of an off Gary Anderson in saying that. I just think I'm going to go with the consistency of Danny Knopper tomorrow night. I just think he'll just have a little bit too much for Daryl Gurney. Um, we've seen he's had success in the UK Open early on in the year, and I just think his consistency. I do think Garney will miss a couple of doubles here and there, and ultimately will be made to pay by Danny Knopper. I'm going to go 
for an 11-8 Danny Knopper win tomorrow night. I just think he'll have enough to edge out Derek Garney um, in that first match. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to follow you on this one. I think that the sheer consistency of Danny Knopper is something to be marvelled at. At the minute, uh, if his first start is in, it's one of the best markers in the game to follow. I personally think it just sits up so nicely in that treble bed. And I also still think that Daryl Gurney is at his absolute best when he's got something to be angry about, when he can get that bit between his teeth and get himself fired up. Danny Knopper is going to give you absolutely none of that. He is so placid up on that stage. He's just going to get on with his job. He's not going to pay any attention to what you're doing. And he's not going to give you anything to feed off coming back at it. Uh, so I'm going to say slightly bigger margin of victory for Danny. Actually, I'm going to say 11 Seven uh, in the chat room. Tommy's got Nopper 11 8. Uh, it's 11 6 Nopper for Maliki. Uh, Paul is the first man to back Gurney. He's got 11 8 in that one. Colin uh, goes 11 7. Also, Sam goes 11 6. Too consistent for Daryl. That's a prediction win for Nopper. Uh, Daniel's got 11 8 Nopper as well. So, pretty much a clean sweep in that one. Just Paul backing Gurney to win, but we'll find that out first tomorrow night uh, match number two is intriguing uh, for multiple reasons uh, 18 months to, to two and a bit years ago these two were serious contenders four major titles they haven't really come to the forefront of the game since then uh, but it is Jose de Souza against Rob Cross um, given their performances in the first round you could be forgiven for backing a quite a comfortable win for Jose here but Something tells me you might be backing it the other way around. Yeah, certainly so. I mean, we saw a little bit more of the old Jose or the Jose that we've seen when he, he won the Grand Slam uh, in the first round against Clemens, a comfortable win, 10-6. Uh, Rob Cross certainly did it the hard way against Chris Dolby um, and came from behind uh, to snatch a win an extra time in that one. But I just think Rob Cross... Uh, I mean, when, when Rob Cross is on top form, I don't think there's many better players in, in world darts. Kind of get, comes under the radar all the time, really, Rob Cross. Uh, and I think he'll fancy a match against Jose de Souza. I think there was a couple of sticky ties in the, in the second round. And I just think that he would have taken Jose maybe over some of the other draws that the players had. Um, and I think that this will be a Rob Cross win. And I'm going to go for an 11-8 win again for Rob Cross. Funnily enough, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you once again. I'm gonna go a leg slightly better. I'm gonna go 11-7 once again for Rob Cross in this one. I think the first round was a bit of a blip for Rob Cross. I think he got up on that stage a little bit underprepared on the evening. But in terms of consistency and recent form, Rob Cross has been on the increase since he got knocked out of that Premier League uh, 18 months ago, finishing rock bottom. The performances were still solid enough. The action looks a lot better than it has done at times over the last couple of years. Um, and I think he'll, he'll be better prepared for um, Jose de Salza tomorrow evening. So I'm going to say 11-7 in this one. A few more in the chat room. I think Craig might watch us a little bit delayed. Uh, hello, mate. Good to see you. I hope you enjoyed your time in the venue as well tonight. I think we're back there tomorrow. He's got 11-8 for Noppet, just to throw back to that one. Uh, but then predictions for this one. Tommy's got 11-7 cross. He's gone the same way as me. So scrappy game, I think. Um, Paul Rowe's got cross 11, Jose 9. Craig's also got cross 11-9. San Aldino cross 11-5. Sam Hill's the first man to go the opposite way. He's got DeSalza 11-8. And Colin has got cross to win. Might have to be a shootout 
to decide. Uh, match number three is one that I am really looking forward to, actually. Uh, given his recent form, I think Dave Chisel is a little bit of a sleeper in this draw. Not necessarily to go all the way and pick up a title, but look, we all know the scoring power that Dave Chisnell's got, and he's just been playing incredibly well on the floor of late. Um, Gerwin Price entered this wild match play in the quarter draw he is in with the worst percentage win rate in their last 50 matches of anybody in that quarter. Astonishing from the current wild number two, Liam. Um, how do you see this one going? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with Dave Chisholm recently, and I do think he has, has all the capabilities to cause a little bit of an upset in this tournament. don't think he'll go all the way um, in the tournament, but I mean, I saw signs from Price. He just turned it on the heat against Schindler when he had to in the, in the last match. Yes, wasn't at 100%. Uh, Schindler played well in that one as well, but I, I'm going to go with Price to just scrape through again. I'm going to go 11-9 against Chisnell there tomorrow night. I think Chisnell will put him under pressure. He will have him in a corner, but I just think Price will come out swinging and will... I expect him to, to go up a little bit from the standard we saw against Schindler uh, in the first round, and I think he'll just edge over the line against Dave Chisholm. For the first time this evening, we are going in opposite directions. I have the yellow peril himself, Dave Chisney Chisnell, uh, to beat Gerwin Price in this one. It's just something I fancy at the minute, given the way they were tested in the first round, the performance levels of late on the floor. I think Chisnell's got the capabilities of pulling off an upset tomorrow. And I'm going to say he does that 11-8. Uh, chat room once again. You guys have got Chisnell 11-9 in the belt of a game, says Tommy. Uh, Maliki's got Price 11-8. As Price 11-9 for Paul. Price 11-7 for Colin. And Sam's got Gezi 11-6. We'll just have too much for Chizzy in my opinion. Uh, final game of the evening. And I'm a little bit gutted this one's on last, especially if it were three games go late as well, uh, because this has all the makings of an absolute belter tomorrow night. Two players to get on with it, play at pace, and entertain everybody in their way. It's Michael Smith against Dirk Van Dyvenboda. How do you see this one going? Yeah, I mean, a really intriguing second round matchup. I mean, two players have been in, in form this year. Uh, Dirk has shown great. Uh, performances on the floor as well. I mean, he's he's certainly going to be up for this good win over Ryan Sarah in the last round. Showed some real character to to get over the line in that one, as did Michael Smith. And I know that I believe you backed him as well as I did Gob to go all the way this week. And I just believe. I mean, I know people could say it's Andrew Gilling. And Andrew Gilling has been on brilliant form this year. I just think. That says a lot about how far Michael Smith has come, that he dug deep, looked like he was on his way home, and it could be very telling uh, at the end of the week if if he does manage to go all the way that he was pushed. He was tested in that first-round match, and he came through, and I just think I think he'll come through this match tomorrow night as well against Dirk. Uh, I do reckon it goes to extra time. The only match tomorrow that goes to extra time, and I reckon it'll be a 12-10 win for Michael Smith in at a time. Just what we need right at the end of the night, knowing it'll be myself and Dan on the show tomorrow, actually. I did promise you all Cam uh, yesterday, but he's had to change the plans. So it will be Dan joining me tomorrow night on the follow-up. But I will have had darts in the evening, so hopefully Dan will have seen a lot more than I will have 
Um, we'll be back as always to give you all the lowdown on the show that evening. Um, prediction for me that I'm going to say Marcus Smith. I've got the man to win the tournament, so I've got to hope that he keeps on going. I do think this will be a, a fantastic match. Though, and if Dirk gets going from the outset, he can really put Marcus Smith under pressure. Um, that being said, though, I do have the Englishman to win this one. 11-7. I think Dirk might just run out of steam a little bit under the pressure that, that Michael Smith is, is going to put on his opponent. Just the way he's playing right now is absolutely fabulous. Uh, predictions from the chat room for this final game. Uh, Paul has got Bully Boy 11-9. It's 11-8 for Craig in Bully Boy's favour as well. Uh, Colin, the first man to back Dirk, he's got it 11-9. Uh, Tommy's gone your way. He's got 12-10 in a World Match Play Classic. Um, very late night at the Winter Gardens tomorrow again. Dirk to win a nail by to 13-12. Is this the bit where I have to tell you it would be 14-13 or 13-11? It's a first to 11 to tiebreakers at 13 all, Sam. Go again. Uh, we'll let you reclassify which one you think. Uh, Maliki has got Smith 11-8. Uh, aldino has got Bully Boy 13-11. Extra legs to separate that one. Uh, Paul says Mark Smith is my favourite to win the match play. Mine too right now. And Joe has chirped in with a dirt wins right at the end. Um, Liam, we've absolutely raced through tonight's show, but it is still half past 12 here in the UK. 45 minutes for you guys to recapture uh, everything that has gone on uh, last night or this evening at the World Match Play and look ahead to tomorrow night. Sam just corrected his prediction. That's what I was stalling for a little bit. From 14 13, it is then. Ha. Yeah, that's the one, buddy. And then the format will increase uh, to best of 31 legs as of Thursday night uh, when, the match, when the match play starts to get a little bit more serious. Um, thanks for joining me this evening, Liam. Absolute star. Uh, superb to have you. Uh, you're not on anymore this week, are you? Not as it stands, but you never know. Might be coming back into action. Let's <laughs> go on Friday and Saturday if you fancy it while I'm gallivanting around Blackpool in <laughs> one of the nightclubs, most likely. A uh, quick reminder if you haven't done so already, please do drop us a like on this stream and subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any more of our content. I am assured that our 25,000 subscriber giveaway is coming very, very soon. We've had the prizes out there for a long, long time. It's just been how we present those to you guys and, and how we do this giveaway. Um, at least two of the guys are in Blackpool right now. Hopefully I might get 10 minutes with them this weekend. If not, I've just told them to go ahead and, and film a video to let you guys know what is going on because we really do appreciate the fact you've made us reach that milestone so quickly this year. And of course, if you don't already do so, make sure you head over to follow us on social media, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, the main ones, but we are now up and running on TikTok as well uh with all that quick reminder once again that the live league is back tomorrow morning uh just the wednesday morning session tomorrow and we'll have evening session thursday and friday for you guys as well as daytime sessions before finals night on saturday night um and we'll be back tomorrow night hopefully a little bit earlier for you guys if you're watching us live um or It'll be ready when you wake up if you're listening back as a podcast to make sure that you don't miss any of the Betfred World Match Play Fallout Bar here at Online Dart. So, big thank you for watching or listening back to us uh, throughout your day. Uh, we will speak to you again tomorrow night. Thanks for watching. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 